This message was recorded during a Cornerstone U class given at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for coming this morning. Um, so this morning, our Cornerstone U topic is the Holy Spirit. The big question for this class is... Who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do? Which I think is um, a really uh, interesting and important question. And as I've been thinking through this topic this week, I know you did some reading, studying some scripture, did some homework. Um, This is an area over the last 20 years of my life that I have learned a lot about and studied a lot about. And from my perspective, I think there's... There's dangers on two different sides, um, but I, I think most people understand and comprehend God the Father, and most people believe and comprehend and think about God the Son, but it's really God the Holy Spirit that there seems to be more confusion about. And I heard one theologian describe the Holy Spirit as a gray oblong blur, <laughs> Uh, which I thought is probably accurate. I think that you have extremes of people uh, neglecting the Holy Spirit altogether, which would have been my experience growing up. Uh, The church I grew up in, I remember after I became a Christian, I was one of those people in Acts that said, I didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. And I'd grown up in church my whole life. And uh, they, 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 you know, acted like the book of Acts didn't exist. I don't remember ever reading it or studying it. Uh, And it's all over the New Testament, the Holy Spirit. And then on the other side, the other extreme, you have a overemphasis on the Holy Spirit and an emphasis too much on the Holy Spirit and his gifts and role in our lives. So really the goal of this morning is to understand the person and work of the Holy Spirit, and enjoy the gift of communing with God. So the Holy Spirit is God's presence with us, and we want to enjoy that. So we want to have faith, and we want to understand the role the Holy Spirit plays in our life. So we're going to do three things this morning. Uh, We're going to talk about, first of all, the person of the Holy Spirit, who is the Holy Spirit, we're going to talk about the works of the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? What's his role in the triune God? And then we're going to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So what, 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 are, what does the Holy Spirit do inside of us? And what does the Holy Spirit do inside of the church? Um, we'll probably spend more time on point three, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But if there are questions, as I do each point, I'll give you an opportunity to ask any questions, interaction, if there's confusion, things like that. So first of all, the person of the Holy Spirit. So a summary of this is that the, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, uh, equal in terms of nature, power, and glory with the Father and the Son, to be worshipped together with them. The Nicene Creed says, We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who is with the Father and the Son, together worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. Nicene Creed speaks of the Holy Spirit as the Lord, the giver of life. So we want to know and experience his life-giving presence. So just some basic doctrine overview. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is fully God. So the Holy Spirit shares 
divine attributes and divine essence. So uh, omniscience and omnipotence and omnipresence, uh, being eternal. The Holy Spirit, as you read the scriptures, has all the attributes of God. He is a divine person. He's not a force. This is one of my big pet peeves right here, uh, where people think of the Holy Spirit as a force. I feel like we're more influenced by Star Wars than we are by Scripture at times, where it's like, it's this energy force that binds the galaxies together, the Holy Spirit. That's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is God. He's not the energy or the balance of the universe. He's not the force flowing through us, giving us power. He has a name. Uh, This week, I was just looking through all the names of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus Christ. He he has a name and acts as a person. That's why uh, in Ephesians, when it talks about not grieving the Holy Spirit, it's grieving God. When we sin and we disobey God, it grieves God the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is fully God. The Holy Spirit is distinct from the Father and the Son in relationship and role. So they are each God, but they are not each each other. So so the Spirit, each member of the Trinity has a different role in relation to creation and us. The Spirit's role is giving life and new life to what God has made. And we're going to learn more about that as we talk about the work of the Holy Spirit. And we also learn, just a overview of doctrine, that the doctrine of the Holy Spirit is progressively revealed through Scripture. So as you go through the Bible, as you progress through from Genesis to Revelation, you, you, you learn about progressive revelation. You know, we learn about God the Father more as we go through Scripture, who He is and His attributes. We learn about God the Son progressively as we enter into the New Testament. He's definitely all over the Old Testament. We hear about Him, but as we go through, we learn more about Him. And the Holy Spirit's the same way. As we go through Scripture, we learn more about the Holy Spirit. And the key text, really, I want to look at, which I think you may have read some, is John chapter 14. 14 through 16. So if you have your Bibles, you can open to John 14 through 16. I'm just going to highlight a couple verses in here. Uh, there's a lot in here as Jesus is teaching about the Holy Spirit. And the context is, is Jesus is telling his disciples that he's going away. So he's preparing them. He's been with his disciples. He spent all this time with them. And Jesus is preparing them saying, I'm going to go away. I'm not going to be with you forever But it's going to be better for you because someone else is going to come to be with you. So in John chapter 14, verse 18, Jesus tells them this. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Okay, so you're leaving, but Jesus is making this promise. I'm going to come to you. What, What does that mean? I think, I think the whole promise here is I'm going to send, when I leave, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to be with you. He's going to be the personal presence of Christ with us. It's referred to as the Spirit of Jesus in the New Testament. And then in chapter 15, down in verse 26, if you turn over there, he's teaching them about this. And he says, but he calls the Holy Spirit the helper But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, 
the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. So the Father and the Son are going to send it to us, to his people, the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, the Holy Spirit is going to bear witness about me. He's going to teach you about me. And we, we see the unity of the Trinity through these texts. They're all doing this. They're all together. They're united. God is one. And as they send the Spirit to be with us, the Spirit is going to testify and bear witness to us about God, the Son, Jesus Christ. And then in chapter 16, verse 7, he makes this statement. Uh, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For, I, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. I imagine if I was one of the disciples of Jesus, I would have a hard time thinking that it's to my advantage that he leaves me. If I'm with Jesus, I'm saying, you stay right here. And Jesus is saying, no, it's better if I go. No, no, it's not better for me if you go. It's better for me if you stay. But Jesus is teaching them, well, it's better if I go away. How is it better that Jesus leaves? And, and Jesus' whole point is, I'm going to send, if I don't go, the helper, I can't send the helper to you, but the helper is going to come and be with you. So he, he's teaching us it's better for us to have the Spirit with us than to have Jesus with us which is a startling advantage and statement. And I think as we're going to learn, part of the work of the Spirit is indwelling God's people, all of God's people. Every person who believes in Christ is indwelt by the Spirit of God. Jesus, when he was as a man, became a man, fully God, fully man, he could only be in one place at one time as a man. But as he goes and sends the Spirit, he is fully all the time present with every person all across the globe, at one time, which is the advantage of having the Holy Spirit. So, so the Holy Spirit is God with us. Uh, it's to our advantage that Jesus sent the Spirit. So just that application is, we worship the Holy Spirit. That, you know, he, he is a divine person. We worship Him. He deserves our worship. Uh, so that's kind of the, the person. That's a quick quick flyover of the person of the Holy Spirit. Let's talk about the work of the Spirit, the second thing we're going to talk about. So what does the Holy Spirit do? So while the Father, Son, and Spirit work inseparably in their role, Scripture reveals that each person is uniquely associated with different works. And the Spirit's work, I kind of three things the Spirit's work does, uniquely associated with. The Spirit speaks the words of God. So, so the Spirit is the one that speaks God's words. The Spirit applies the work of God to our lives. So when we experience God, when we're having, uh, you know, revelations of who God is and God is opening our eyes to behold things, this is what the Spirit is doing inside of us. It applies the work of God to our life. And then the Spirit indwells God's people. He resides inside of us. When, and, and that's part of that progressive revelation. When you read through Scripture, it is just, it should baffle you that the Holy Spirit would reside inside of us. Especially as you go through the Old Testament and the temple, just amazing that God would do this inside of his people. So let's look at those three things, okay? Number one, 
the, the, the divine speaking of the Spirit. The Spirit is the one who speaks, who inspires God's Word. The inspiration and authoritative revelation of Scripture is a work of the Holy Spirit. This is 2 Peter 1.21. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit was the one that is the inspiration of Scripture, of speaking God's Word. We see that in the Old Testament, the prophets spoke by the Spirit. The Spirit is is the one leading them and giving them words to speak on behalf of God. The, the Spirit applies the work of God. And we're going to go back through this a little bit. But the Spirit applies salvation to us. The recreating work of the Spirit. This is what the Spirit does inside of us. The Spirit unites us to Jesus and gives us a new life. And you see this in, in John chapter 3. When Jesus has this whole conversation. You remember this with Nicodemus. And he's, he's coming to Jesus and he's inquiring about what does it mean to be, you know, to, to be a follower of Jesus. And Jesus tells him, you must be born again. And one of the things he tells him is, you have to be born again by the Spirit. And he talks about how the wind blows wherever it wants. So does the Spirit. The Spirit is God and he goes wherever he wants and he applies the work of God to our lives. And we need to be born again by the Spirit. The Spirit is the one who changes our hearts. This promise in Ezekiel, I'm going to give you a new heart, a soft heart. How does that happen? You know, how do our hearts change? It's the Holy Spirit. It's God the Spirit coming and changing our hearts from inside of us, giving us a new heart, literally these dead hearts, changing them and, and giving them life and bringing them alive. It's like Ezekiel, uh, that image that Ezekiel has of the valley of dry bones and the word and the spirit come and blow on them. That, that's what happened in your heart if you're a Christian. The spirit came and gave you a new heart. The Spirit made us alive in Christ. The Spirit gives us faith. Faith is not something we can drum up or create. The Spirit gives us faith. The Spirit opened our eyes to believe the gospel. Romans 8.16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. So the Holy Spirit Bears witness with our spirit, our soul, that we are children of God. He's doing that. He's, he's applying the work of Jesus Christ to our lives. This is all a work. This is what the Spirit does. And then the Spirit is the perfecting work. So not only does the Spirit give us new life and make us Christians, make us born again, but the Spirit is the one who sanctifies us. So we, we grow in conformity to Christ in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now this, this is different from the work of being justified by the Spirit, given new life, because this the Spirit does in cooperation with us. And if you read Galatians 5, that's what it's all talking about. Galatians 5 is, is the, the fruit of the Spirit versus the fruit of the flesh. This is what the Spirit does in you. The Spirit produces love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. You know, these are all a work of the Spirit. The flesh, what, what our flesh wants to do, we have this long list in Galatians 5 of the flesh. And we see these things battling each other. But the Spirit is the one 
conforming us to Christ, convicting us of sin, sanctifying us, applying the work of God to our lives where we increasingly grow to be more like Christ. And the Spirit indwells the people of God. The Spirit is how God is with us today. And this is a we could do a whole nother class on the presence of God. It's a theme in Scripture from beginning in it to end. You know, beginning in Genesis with God being with Adam and Eve. And then you go all the way to Revelation where it says God will be with his people. They will be his people and he will be their God. And, and this whole theme of presence. For us today, the presence of God is the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. When we sense nearness to God, when we sense God is with us, when we sense God working in our lives and actively doing something, when we're hearing a sermon preached and and God is building faith or convicting us, we're reading the Bible and it's coming alive for us and we're applying it to our lives. This is what the Holy Spirit is doing inside of us today. Uh, At one time, years ago, I did a a study of kind of every time in the New Testament uh, it mentions the Holy Spirit, every reference to the Spirit. And it kind of, it blew my mind. I, 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 it's, it's almost like every page of the New Testament, it mentions the Spirit of God. And I categorize it into all these categories. This is what the Spirit does. So the Spirit is person of God, and this is, what, this is the work of the Spirit. The Spirit regenerates and gives new life. The Spirit gives us assurance of salvation The Spirit unites us and promotes unity in the people of God. The Spirit sets us free from the law of sin and death inside of us. The Spirit leads us. The Spirit convicts us of sin. The Spirit sanctifies us and transforms us. The Spirit gives us wisdom and counsels us, gives us counsel from God. The Spirit teaches us and guides us. The Spirit produces spiritual fruit in our lives. The Spirit pours out God's love into our hearts and we sense the love of God. That's the Spirit at work. The Spirit helps us to pray. The Spirit baptizes us and fills us with the presence of God. The Spirit empowers us for evangelism and witness. The Spirit equips us to serve in the church by giving us spiritual gifts. Uh, What doesn't the Spirit do is really the question. Everything good, every spiritual awakening, every spiritual activity, all of this work that is happening in our lives, it's all a work of the Holy Spirit, which is amazing grace. This is what Gordon Fee says. He says, We're not, we are not left on our own as far as our relationship with God is concerned. Neither are we left on our own to slug it out in the trenches, as it were, with regard to the Christian life. Life in the present is empowered by the God who dwells among us and in us. As the personal presence of God The Spirit is not merely some force or influence. The living God is a God of power. And by the Spirit, the power of the living God is present with us and for us. The Spirit is therefore, this is how he summarizes it, the Spirit is the empowering presence of God for living the life of God in the present. He is the the empowering presence presence of God. I just want us to 
to be thankful for that and be aware we're not on our own. You're not left by yourself. It's not up to you to just figure everything out and you're not, you're not just kind of like sent on your way. Figure it out and live the Christian life and do it in your own power. The Spirit is with us and active in doing these things. This week um, in my devotions, I was reading Exodus chapter three where it talks about the burning bush um, where you remember the scene where Moses hears God call his name, and it says an angel of the Lord, um, but it's a, a theophany. It, it's a visible representation or a visible manifestation of God in this fire, the burning bush. And uh, it's interesting because D.A. Carson, I was reading a little devotion by D.A. Carson, and he kind of was blowing my mind a little bit, saying that the angel of the Lord, the theophany, of the burning bush. He can't say this for certain, so when a theologian says that, you take no, but he says it's very likely that was the presence of Christ in the burning bush manifesting God's presence. And I was kind of like, what? what? You know, we talked about this with our teenagers recently, uh, the presence of God. And it, I was doing Exodus 3, and then I remembered the burning bush. I remembered Genesis 15 where God appears to Abraham as the flaming torch and a flame. It was another theophany, another presence, a visible manifestation of God as fire in Genesis 15, where God appears as this torch passing between the animals. And then as I was thinking about that, I remembered Acts chapter two, when the spirit comes and dwells among amongst people, that it, it, the spirit comes as a manifestation of God. And you remember what the description of the spirit was? Tongues of fire, yeah. It was fire coming, and it was resting on each person individually. And I was like, the burning bush is resting on us. Like, this is amazing, you know? Like, the presence of God that passed with Abraham, made this covenant with Abraham and passed between the animals. The presence of God, the burning bush that Moses took off his sandals and was standing before the burning bush. The, the spirit, the, the, the personal God coming and dwelling individual on God's people. You know, it's just kind of amazing that God would dwell among us. So just a fresh appreciation for the Holy Spirit dwelling in God's people. All of the Christian life is empowered by the Spirit. And I love this verse in, in Luke chapter 11. I think we kind of misapply this verse sometime. And I want to make sure we apply this rightly. It's, it's when Jesus tells him, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. And then you know, he has this whole illustration of, you know, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? And he's talking about God the Father giving us good gifts. And he says this, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? When he's saying, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find He's telling us, ask for the Holy Spirit. And we have a, a gracious heavenly father who loves to give you his spirit. He loves to give you his presence. He loves to dwell among you. He loves to be with you. The spirit of God dwelling among us. And so one of the things to avoid, I think, is this kind of denial or apathy toward the Holy Spirit. I want us to not be apathetic. I don't want us to think of, the Spirit is some force or gray oblong blur. The Spirit is God with us. He does all this work among us. 
And I think the application for us in Luke 11 is like, let's ask for the Spirit. When we want to grow, when we want to be sanctified, when we want to understand who God is in His Word, when we want to have power to serve others and to love others and, and spiritual gifts, when we feel weak and frail and we, like, we lack strength, uh, all of these things that we need, it's like God is saying, ask. Ask for the Holy Spirit. He's going to give you strength. He's going to give you gifts. He's going to give you power. He's going to open your eyes to behold who God is. All these things are what the Holy Spirit does among us. And that whole section I just did in 12 minutes, I have a book of like 600 pages talking about the work of God. So that was like a huge flyover uh, of who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. So before I get into the gifts of the Holy Spirit, any questions so far raised or applications or anything? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. 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 Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I was kind of thinking about this week, like, why is the Holy Spirit, when you read through Scripture, it seems like, man, all these clear things the Holy Spirit does. But I do think it's just in a way, it is, there is in John chapter 3, it's somewhat mysterious. It is, there is a mystery to the Holy Spirit, you know, like he does, he, he applies God's work as God wills in his sovereignty. And I think my thought is, I think why people get confused at the time is they try to manipulate the Holy Spirit. You know, there have been, I mean, if you read through the New Testament, 1 Corinthians, there was definitely, when you, when you, Use the Holy Spirit as a tool to promote your own pride. Even in Acts, when you see these people wanting the Holy Spirit, wanting to pay for it, you know, it's like people want this spiritual power. They want this, but pride attaches to it. And I think that confuses people. Well, well, we don't want that. We don't want pride. We don't want ambition, you know. And so I think in the New Testament, you see kind of people trying to manipulate God's work. And I think that has confused it over time, maybe for people, you know just using the Holy Spirit almost as a, to promote their own ends? It's a good question. Yeah. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit generally, um, for a prophet, yeah. it came upon them. Yeah. The, the Holy Spirit did not indwell them. Right. In the New Testament, the initial evidence is regeneration. Right. I think for definitely when you look at Acts chapter 2, the initial evidence was definitely these tongues where they're proclaiming the glories of Christ and the majesty of God to these people in their own languages. And we see that throughout the New Testament. We can talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I don't think as you go through the New Testament, it doesn't seem like that's the 
the only evidence of being dwelt by the Spirit. It is an evidence, you know, I would say. I think part of the charismatic movement has said this is the evidence of the Spirit. Um, I can give you an example of this where uh, I have a relative who grew up in a Pentecostal church, and they kept trying to get him to speak in tongues. And until he did, they said, you don't have the spirit. You're not born again until this happens. And so he would even manifest and say, I did it, but just to, for them to leave me alone. <laughs> and I was like, that's sad. That's not really the application of Acts 2. That's not the application of the rest of the New Testament to how the Holy Spirit dwells among us. I think the evidence is, you know, Galatians 5, all the fruit of the spirit. And we see throughout the New Testament, other gifts, you know, of prof- prophecy and, and people, administration. And we're going to talk about that, the gifts of the spirit. But I think you make a really good point. I wish I had time to talk about more. But one of the distinctives as we go through the scripture is in the old covenant, the Holy Spirit would, would empower people and be with them to accomplish what God wanted them to do with the prophets or with the king, even with King David, you see that. And with Saul, where he removes the spirit from him, he leaves him, you know, and that's not true in the new covenant. In the new covenant, if you read Jeremiah 31, one of the promises of the new covenant is the spirit will be with you and he's going to, he's going to give you new hearts and dwell with you. And so that's what Jesus is talking about in John 16. Like it's better I go away because I'm going to send the spirit and he's going to dwell inside of you. And uh, it makes me thankful I'm in the new covenant. <laughs> I'm like, this is great. We all have the spirit of God dwelling among us. So um, good question. Uh, so let's talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So talked about the person of the spirit, all this work. So we talked about the broad work of the spirit. I think it's important that we hit the broad work of the spirit first Because people can miss all the things the Spirit is doing. I really want us to look around. And when we see faith, when we see people's eyes being opened, and we see fellowship and unity and sanctification, I want us to be aware, man, the Spirit is at work all around us, all the time. Uh, So don't, don't think it's only in these supernatural things the Spirit does, the Spirit's at work. He's at work all the time around us. But the Spirit does give gifts to the church. So the spirit is the one, and, and you can flip over to, to 1 Corinthians 12, because this is the text we're going to look at for this. Um, the spirit is giving gifts to his church. The spirit's building the church. He's applying the work of God. He's the one in charge of, his, of God's church, of the church of Christ. The spirit is in charge, and the spirit gives gifts to the church for the sake of growth edification, and equipping for ministry. So spiritual gifts are gifts given by the Holy Spirit for the upbuilding of the church. Okay, so they're not to promote ourselves. They're not to exalt ourselves. The Spirit gives gifts for the upbuilding of the church. Spiritual gifts are all gifts from God. So all of them, we believe, we don't, we don't, you know, uh, esteem some gifts more than others. All the, all the gifts of the Spirit are from God and to be appreciated and sought after. Uh, you know, spiritual gifts, they, they often do correlate with natural talents. So the Spirit empowers us to use our gifts to serve. And then look in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is kind of the most extensive teaching in the Bible on spiritual gifts. Look down at verse 4. I'm just going to read this section for you because it's really important what Paul is doing here in 1 Corinthians. 
He says, now there are varieties of gifts. And, and so let me give you a little context, sorry, before I dive into that. They were esteeming certain gifts. They were saying, oh, this is how the Spirit is manifest. This is what the Spirit does. And they were kind of competing with one another to see who had better spiritual gifts. And so Paul is, is teaching them and helping them understand that's not what the Spirit is doing in the church. So verse 4, now there are varieties of gifts, but it's the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. And there's, you even notice in there the Trinity, the triune God. We have the Spirit and the Lord and God. He's using uh, Trinity language here. So there's varieties, there's differences, there's all this different activity and spiritual gifts, but it's the same God empowering everybody. Verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So if you are a believer in Christ, you have a manifestation of the Spirit. That's what he's saying. You have a manifestation of the Spirit. You have the, the burning bush of Exodus 3. You have a manifestation of the Spirit. Why? So you can be esteemed, so others can clap for you and say how great you are, so you can compete with one another, you know, to see who's greater. No, it's for the common good. This is what the Spirit is doing. He's building His church. For to one is given through the Spirit, the utterance of wisdom, and to another, the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, to another, faith. So there's a gift of faith people have, to another, gifts of healing, to another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he will. So really the emphasis here, I think in the New Testament on spiritual gifts is there's a variety. We're not all the same. We're gonna look different. We're gonna have different gifts, but it's the same God. And we kind of have different sections that have lists of different gifts. So you can study 1 Corinthians 12, you know, uh, there's, there's a list there we just talked about. There's one later on in 1 Corinthians 12. Romans 12, 4 through 8. 1 Peter mentions several spiritual gifts. Um, 1 Corinthians 14 is a really helpful chapter. We don't have time to walk through this morning, but it talks about prophecy and tongues. It really helps us understand the gift of prophecy. So on Sunday morning, you know, you may notice folks coming up to a microphone and they're sharing what we call prophetic words because that's the language of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. They're prophetic words where they have a gift of prophecy, we believe. But we do it, we do it orderly. You know, that's what he instructs us to do in 1 Corinthians 14. They come and share with the pastor. And we make sure that what they're sharing is in line with God's word. The Spirit the Spirit, this is an important teaching in the New Testament. The Holy Spirit is never going to disagree with himself. So the Holy Spirit, as the one, as we started with, who speaks God's word and has inspired Scripture. This is, this is truth inspired by the Spirit of God. So the Spirit's manifesting himself today, giving us prophetic words and words of knowledge and words of utterance and helping us to spiritually encourage one another and have spiritual fellowship and encourage one another and build each other up. But he's never going to do that 
in a way that disagrees with this word. And that's what we're making sure the gift of prophecy is used for. So the Spirit's not going to come and give us a revelation today that disagrees with what Scripture has given us, um, which is very important. We, were, we had, we had a, we've had a lot of discussions recently as a family about uh, Mormons, because my wife's been reading all these books about Mormons, and, and there's a, a, several people who are Mormons who became Christians, um, and they're writing about what they were taught and what they came out of, and it's very revealing just how much is about revelation. You know, you have the, the golden tablets that, that Joseph Smith saw, and it was a new revelation. And today, their prophets have new revelations, and they can change. It can disagree with what they said before. And that's not, that's, God doesn't disagree with himself. You know, it's consistent. The Spirit is consistent. That's what we learn. He's not going to give us some new revelation that disagrees with what he's already told us because the spirit is the spirit of truth as Jesus called him in John chapter 16. The way I like to view spiritual gifts and I've done this before so you've probably heard this illustration but, but it's, it's like a symphony orchestra. That's how I always think about it. The church is like a symphony orchestra you know where there's all these different instruments and that seems to be kind of a uh, Paul's illustration, you know, like if, if, if there's only one gift and we all have the same spiritual gift, it's like symbols. It's like an orchestra of symbols clashing. Just everybody just hitting their symbols as loud as, I mean, that would be the worst symphony ever. Uh, but the, but the, the view of the New Testament is, man, there's all these different instruments. And the spirit is the one that says, you're playing the oboe, you're playing the drums, you're playing the cello, you're playing the violin, and then we're doing it together. There's a unity where we're playing our part and we're coming together. And what happens is the Spirit is orchestrating this and giving gifts to the church. And when everybody is using their gifts, so, okay, my gift's administration. How can I use my gift to serve the local church? man, I, I can help administrate our children's ministry and create schedules and, and organize and remind people and I'm detail-minded and, and people come in on Sunday and it's like the kids are taught and there's teachers in there and it's organized and there's enough teachers for all the kids. It's not chaos, it's organized. And this person has a gift of teaching and they're teaching on Sunday and bringing God's word to bear. This person has a gift of playing musical instruments and they're leading us in singing and and uh, these people have a gift of greeting and hospitality and, and people are being welcomed. You just see, this is what the Spirit is doing in the church. You know, giving gifts and empowering people and building his church for the glory of God. So an application of, of the gifts of the Spirit, I would just say the big thing is just how are you serving? You know, to pray about Luke 11, ask for the Spirit, ask for spiritual gifts. I don't think, our spiritual gifts are set in stone. I think the Spirit can change our spiritual gifts or gives us new gifts or we can ask for those things. I think we're going to see that as a church this coming year as we plant a new church. I think people are going to be sent out and they're going to have to serve in ways they weren't expecting to serve. And the Spirit is going to give them gifts and help them and empower them. And I think it means for Cornerstone Church, people are going to have to step up and serve in new ways. And the Spirit's going to help us. The Spirit's going to give us gifts. The Spirit's going to discern and help us see the spiritual gifts we have. The one thing, the one practical thing I would say is people always ask me, how do I know what my gifts are? How do I know? And my answer is always the same. Just step out and serve. Uh, step out and serve. Encourage people. Uh, 
you know, uh, serve behind the scenes, serve on the hospitality team, serve in children's ministry. You may have a gift of teaching. You may not know about it until you get up and teach. You may not have a gift of teaching. We'll help you decide that. We'll evaluate your teaching, but you have to just start serving and take steps of faith and say, you know, I have a desire for this. Uh, if, you, if, if, if prophecy is something you desire to do, I'd love to encourage people. I want to I want to just bring God's word to bear and I want to build their faith and I have such a desire to do that. A great place to do that is in community groups. As you're praying together, you can just pray and say, you know, I just feel like the Holy Spirit is encouraging me to share this with you, this encouraging word. I think he wants to build your faith today. There's people here, you need faith and the Spirit wants to give you faith today and and this is what the Spirit is putting on my heart for you, you know? And, and if you go off the rails, your community group leader will say something to you about it afterwards. Like, eh, it was a little not, you know, they'll help you and people will test it. So you just got to step, step out and start serving, I think, is the best way to discern spiritual gifts. So any, any questions about that? I know that's a lot in a short amount of time. We're doing foundations here, foundational work. But um, any questions about spiritual gifts before we conclude this morning? Yeah. Yeah, I would say real briefly, um, we are indwelt by the Spirit of God. So that is true for all of God's people. The Spirit dwells within us. I do think there can be differing degrees of being filled with the Spirit. And I think that can change at different times where... The Spirit can, you know, like Ephesians 5 talks about grieving the Spirit of God. I think we can grieve the Spirit of God. I think when we sin, when we're living in our flesh, when we're disobeying God, when we're not repenting, and we're, you know, we're, we're good, the Spirit is convicting us and we're not bringing that to the light and we're resisting the Holy Spirit, I think we can have less of a filling of the Spirit of God. And I think there are moments where, though the Spirit dwells within us and is at work, where the Spirit fills us more. Um, and can empower us. And I think all of us have moments like that where we're just, man, you know, devotions are singing, <laughs> you know? Like I'm praying and I'm encouraged and there's moments you're just like, oh, drudgery, you know, this is hard. And I think part of the reason the Spirit does that is to keep us dependent on God or we have to ask. And we have to say, I need your Spirit. I, you know, there's just moments we feel weak. And uh, oh, man, I need strength to serve and I'm weak today. Help me, Spirit. It makes us dependent on God. And so I think the Spirit can, at different moments, fill people, and we can grieve the Spirit. So I think there is a fluctuation in that. And I think that explains sometimes why people feel real near to God, and that there's times we feel distant from God, you know? And God wants us to draw close to Him and, and draw near to Him. So I pray, uh, I learned this a long time ago, one of my prayers almost every single morning when I pray is, Lord, fill me with your spirit today. I'm asking you to give me your Holy Spirit. Help me today. Kills my self-sufficiency. It makes me aware I cannot do this by myself. I'm gonna blow this big time <laughs> in my own strength. So fill me with your spirit today. You know, I ask that all the time. I think it's a good prayer to pray. Just praying for fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, you know? So um, thank you guys for coming. Um, one note I want to remind you about is next Sunday... 
Um, Jim Neuheiser is going to be with us for the Cornerstone U at 9 a.m. So I encourage you to come to that. It's going to be really good, the, the discernment he's going to bring to us on biblical counseling. So he'll be with us next Sunday for this class, the Cornerstone U. And then the following Sunday after that is the last foundations class. So your homework, your reading, that will be for two weeks. You don't have to do that next week. But next week, Jim Neuheiser will be with us. And uh, thanks for coming. You've been listening to a Cornerstone U class given at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Cornerstone U exists to have our minds renewed by the Word of God, to see who God is, and to live in light of His Word and Gospel. To find out more about previous Cornerstone U classes, visit us on the web at www.cornerstonechurchofknoxville.com forward slash cornerstone-u.